Kingsport Sovereign Grace Church, located at 2709 Rock Springs Road in Kingsport, Tennessee, would like to invite you to listen to a message of Sovereign Grace by their pastor, Gabe Stoniker. For information and service times, visit www.ksgc.church. And now, Gabe Stoniker. If you would like to turn with me to Psalm 27, Psalm 27, I have something that I believe will be very enjoyable for us. I pray that this will be very enjoyable for us. I would like for us to look at this entire psalm, but I want to dwell mainly on verse 4, which says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I would like for us to really consider the beauty of the Lord. I've titled this message, The Beauty of the Lord. That's an enjoyable subject, isn't it? The beauty of the Lord. Let's begin reading in verse 1, all right? Verse 1 says, The Lord is my light. That's what David said. He said, The Lord is my light. Think about that. Everything that light is. Aren't we so thankful for light? David said, Everything that light is, that's what the Lord is to me. The sun is my sun. The Capital S-O-N is my S-U-N. The Lord is my light. He is my warmth. We get warmth from the sun. We get light from the sun. We get health from the sun. We need the sun. We get happiness from the sun. I, I feel a little happier when the sun is shining. David said, that's what the Lord is to me. The Lord is my light. Verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David said, the Lord is my all. He's everything to me. He is my all and in all. He's all that I have. He's all that I need. He is my strength. He is my safety. He is my courage. He's my life. He is my life. Verse 2 says, When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. He said, No matter what happens in my life here on this earth, no matter what happens. He said, I have this to hold on to. This is all that matters. Verse 4, he said one thing. One thing. Have I desired of the Lord? That will I seek after. 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, all the days of my eternal life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David so said, no matter what happens here on this earth, and I pray this will be a comfort to you. If you are looking to Christ and trusting in him, I pray this will be a comfort to you. No matter what happens on this earth, David said, there's an end to it. There is an end to it. And he said, that glorious end is me leaving this earth to go dwell in the house of my Lord with him forever. Isn't that so wonderful? He said, that end is my one desire. That's my one desire is come the end of all this. I want to go be with him and dwell with him in his house forever. That's my one true, ultimate, eternal desire. And David said, that's what I will seek after. That's what I want and by God's grace, by God's grace, that's what I will seek after. He said, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my eternal life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David said, I just want to see him. I just want to see him and I want to hear him. I want to behold his beauty and inquire in his temple. I just want to see him and hear him. That's all I want. He said, that will be glory. That will be glory for me. That will be glory for me. Can we say that with David? Can we truly in our heart say that with David? There's a song and you may have heard it. It's an old song in our hymnal that we sing from. That will be glory for me. That's Oh, that will be glory. I believe that's the title of it. It says, when all my labors and trials are o'er, over, when it's all over, and I am safe on that beautiful shore, just to be near the dear Lord I adore will through the ages be glory for me, just to be near him. When by the gift of his infinite grace, I am accorded in heaven a place just to be there and to look on his face will through the ages be glory for me. People talk about going to see golden streets and, and uh, pearly gates and mansions and things like that. The song says, friends will be there. I have loved like long ago. Joy like a river around me will flow. It'll be wonderful. He's, the song says, yet just a smile from my Savior, I know. Just if I can see him smile at me. Will through the ages be glory for me. Oh, that will be glory for me. Glory for me, glory for me. When by his grace I shall look on his face, that will be glory. Glory for me. That's what God's people say. That's what all of God's people say. Verse 4 says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire 
in his temple. Now, Paul told the Corinthians that eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man what glory will be like. What the glory of Christ will be like. We right now can try to imagine what it's going to be like to look at him. I'm sure that you you may be imagining imagining it right now. I am too. And we can try to imagine how beautiful he will be, but whatever we imagine, it will not be close. It will not come close to comparing to the beauty that he actually is. Because eye hath not seen, whatever we've seen, pictures and ear hath not heard, neither has ever entered into the imagination of a man or a woman what it will be like and what he will be like. But even though that's the case, I acknowledge that that is the case. Let's try to enter into what the Scripture has to say about his beauty. That's what I want us to look at. What the Scripture has to say about his beauty. What it is about him that makes him so beautiful to his people. And before we get to that, I need to say this. I want to acknowledge this. This is important. He is not beautiful to everybody. We need to acknowledge this. He is not beautiful to all of mankind. For man by nature, if man is left in his natural state and the gift of God's grace does not come to a sinful man or a sinful woman, Isaiah 53 says, naturally for men and women in their sinful flesh, it says there is no beauty that we should desire him. The natural flesh of man should desire him. Naturally speaking, he's not beautiful to man. When he came into this world, he made himself to have no form nor comeliness. That means beauty to man. And that's what makes him beautiful to God's people. That's what makes him absolutely beautiful to God's people, that he would humble himself in that way. That he would be willing to come to us in that way and do that for us as our substitute because there's nothing beautiful in the flesh of man. Man sees other men and women and we say, well, that's a beautiful woman or that's a beautiful man, but not in the eyes of God. In man, there is nothing beautiful. When God looks on man in all of his sinful rot and decay, there's nothing beautiful in man. And as our substitute for our sake, our Lord came in that way. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He laid his beauty aside. He laid his reputation aside. He laid his glory aside. And in order to live for us as us, he took upon him the likeness of us, the likeness of man, the likeness of sinful flesh, and he allowed himself to be despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He allowed himself to come in a way where men would hide their faces from him and despise him 
and esteem him not. Now, why did he do that for his people? Why did he come in that way? He did it so he could bear the griefs and carry the sorrows of his people. That's why he did it. He did it so that he could be stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. That's why he did it. He did it so that he could be wounded for the transgressions and bruised for the iniquities of his people. He did it so that the chastisement of his people that was owed to his people could be laid on him. He did it so that with his stripes, his people could be healed. That's what makes him beautiful to his people. To those who God has come to and revealed the beauty of Christ to and given them faith to believe on him and cause them to truly see him, that's what makes him beautiful to his people. He may be common to the world, but to the redeemed child of God, he is altogether lovely. He is truly altogether lovely. To the souls that are outside of Christ, men and women are going to stand before God one of two ways, either in Christ or out of Christ. To the souls who are out of Christ, outside of Christ, they may see nothing in Him that's desirable to them. Just like in the Old Testament, the the tabernacle that was set up when they were out in the wilderness, there was a brown badger skin tabernacle. And, and all who passed by, there was nothing in that actual tent that was beautiful. It was just a brown badger skin tent. But on the inside, on the inside was the glory of God. On the inside was the mercy of God and the beauty of God's holy righteousness and perfection and redemption. And to a soul in Christ, to a soul outside of Christ, there's nothing beautiful that they should desire it. But to a soul that's in Christ, who has seen the glory of God in Christ, to a soul that has seen the mercy of God in Christ, and the grace of God in Christ, to that soul, Christ is the most beautiful thing that soul has ever seen. That's so. That's the truth. Christ is the most beautiful thing that that soul has ever seen. Now, let me show you just a few scriptures to tell us what makes him beautiful to us. If we're his people, I pray we're his people. The first one is in Psalm 29. If you'd like to follow with me here and look at these, Psalm 29 verse 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The beauty of holiness. His holiness is what makes him beautiful to his people. Holiness means he must do right. That's what holiness is. Holiness means purity, spotlessness, no wrongdoing. He must do what is right. His absolute justice, his absolute judgment, that's what makes him beautiful. The seraphims cry, holy, holy, holy. Our God is holy. He is so holy, and that makes him beautiful to his people. 
the moment that we see him, when that day comes, that final day comes, the moment that we behold him for the first time, have you ever imagined what it will be like to behold him for the first time and see his face for the first time? Well, the moment God's people lay eyes on him for the first time, this is what they will physically behold. Absolute holiness. For the first time in the flesh, with our eyes of flesh, we will see absolute holiness. We will see the holiness of the Lord. And it will be beautiful. It will be so beautiful. In Psalm 50, if you'd like to turn to Psalm 50, verse 1 says, The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty. God hath shined. His perfection, the perfection of beauty. His perfection is beautiful. It is so beautiful. That's His righteousness, His perfect works. He is holy in Himself, and He is perfect in everything that He does. All of His righteous works, He's perfect within and without. Everything that He does is perfect. Perfect, and that makes him so beautiful to his people. Knowing that he will not and cannot do anything that's wrong. Knowing that he only does all things well. Whatever he does. It's all perfect. It's all well, as well as it can be. That perfection makes him absolutely beautiful to his people. Psalm 96, if you want to look at Psalm 96, verse 6, it says, Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Beauty is in his sanctuary, his worship. In a sanctuary, what are we doing? We're worshiping. We are worshiping him. His worship is beautiful to God's people. The true worship of Him, the true worship of Him, true worship of Him is not about buildings. It's not about money. It's not about flash and flare. I know that's what man has made it out to be. How big can we build our building? How much money can we raise? How much wow factor can we give people? True worship is not about any of that. The true worship of Him, the beauty of worship in Him to God's people. Nothing more than, than a, a simple house where Christ is exalted and man is abased. That's beauty to God's people. That's beauty. Nothing is more beautiful than gathering together with the people who have been given light, precious faith in a heart that reverences and bows the knee to Christ the King. As you worship, if you, if you go to a place, there are houses of worship all over the place. As you worship, ask yourself this question. Is Christ really being reverenced here? Is Christ really being worshipped here? 
Or is it all about the building and all about how much money are we going to raise and all about the pageants and all about the plays and all about the music and all about everything else? Is it about Christ or not? Is he really being worshipped? Because if he is not, if he is not the central reverent focus of worship, it's not beautiful to God's people. It's not beautiful at all. True worship of Christ, the person, and the finished work of Christ, that's what's beautiful to God's people. Worship that bows the knee to a king, the true king of glory. That's beautiful. To God's people, his worship, the worship of him is absolutely beautiful. Psalm 149. Psalm 149 verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. He will beautify the meek with salvation. For God's people, His salvation is beautiful. So beautiful. His salvation, not my salvation, not me saving myself and me coming up with my own salvation and making my decision, yes, I'm finally going to decide I'm going to do the work to save myself. That's not the salvation that this is talking about. His salvation. That's the beautiful salvation. In Exodus 33, Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your beauty. Show me your goodness. And the Lord said, here it is. I will be merciful. I'll show mercy to whom I'll show mercy. It's a sovereign mercy. Mercy is of the Lord. He said, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. It's a sovereign grace. Who God reveals that to and gives that to, that's of the Lord. Grace is of the Lord. Mercies of the Lord, grace is of the Lord. He said, I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Compassion is of the Lord. To give it to whoever he wants to show it to. And he said, I will hide you in the rock and I will spare your eternal soul. He said, that's my glory. That's my beauty. God's people hear that and they say, truly, that's beautiful. That's glory. That's what glory with Christ will be. Holiness, perfection, righteousness, worship, and salvation. And it's going to be beautiful. Back in Psalm 27, where our text is, verse 4 says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, he shall set me up upon a rock. David said he is going to hide me in himself. That's his pavilion. That's the secret of his 
tabernacle. It is the person of himself. David said he is going to set me up on himself. Hide me in himself. Set me up on himself. He's my rock. Verse 6 says, And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. The scripture says he is the head of his people. His people are the body of him. We are the body. He is the head. His people are under him. And he's the one who's lifted up. As the head of his people, all of God's people cry, thank God. Thank God. He is the one who, be, who will be lifted up. Lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry, now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah, what a Savior. God's people don't want to be lifted up. They want him to be lifted up. They want him to be glorified. Verse 6 says, Now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidst, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. David said, because Christ offered the sacrifice of blood, I'll offer the sacrifice of joy and thanksgiving. And he said, when I cry to him, please hear me. He said, I know that the only reason I'm crying is because he told me you cry to me. I know that. He said, when I cry, verse, verse 8, when thou saidst, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Verse 9, hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. He said, please don't leave me and don't forsake me. And then he said, I know he'll never leave me and never forsake me. My mother and father might, but not him. Not him. Verse 11 says, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that word goodness right there means beauty. I would have fainted unless I believed to see the beauty of the Lord in the land of the living. So verse 14, David ended this with encouragement for himself. He said, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he'll strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. If Christ is our light, we will behold his beauty. We will. If God the Father has made Christ to be all of our desire, if he's the one thing we desire, then we will have the desire of our heart. David said, that's the one thing I desire. And then he comforted himself by saying, wait on the Lord. You'll receive it. I pray that is an encouragement to us. You have been listening to a message by Gabe Stoniker, pastor of Kingsport Sovereign Grace Church in Kingsport, Tennessee. If you would like a copy of this message or to hear other messages of Sovereign Grace, 
You can call or write to the number and address on your screen or visit www.ksgc.church. Tune in at this same time next week for another message of God's free and sovereign grace.